Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Go ahead, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. And as you go there, just want to let you guys know, we are, uh, of course, we've been in uh, a, a sermon series through the book of Acts for about, I don't know, what, about 90 years or so? Kind of feels like so something. <laughs> no, but we are, we're going to be in for another 90, so just uh, put on your seatbelt. But actually today, we are going to, we're going to hop out of the book of Acts and we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke. Okay, so same author, different book, because I have a message for you, a special Father's Day message for really for everyone here. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to look at we're going to look at a parable today that you're all familiar with. And it's the parable of the prodigal son. Raise your hand if you've ever uh, read this parable before. You've heard of this parable. OK, well, we're going to get into it today. So go ahead, open to Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the first couple verses. Then we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, beginning in uh, verse 11 through the end of the story of the uh, prodigal son. But as you're turning there, just to remind you guys, of course, we always have the passages up here on the screen. Uh, so uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, it's all going to be here. But as you're going there, as you're thinking about this theme of Father's Day, and as I mentioned, the prodigal son, you're thinking, how do those two go together? Well, I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But I want to begin by asking you a very, very simple question. And I want all of you to think about this with me. You don't have to answer out loud. I just want you to think this through with me. What comes to mind when you hear the word Father. What comes to mind when you hear this word, Father? Now, for some of you, this is a good word, because when I say the word Father, you think about, and rightly so, your earthly father, because many of you, not all, but many of you had and have a really, really good daddy. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. You got a really, not, not perfect, but a great daddy. Come on, let me see your hands. Now put your hands together for your father. Come on, dad's here, but for your dad, yes. And so when you hear that word or you think of the word father, like good things come to mind. You think about your dad who was a protector and you think of him as the provider and the, the promise keeper of your family. Now, that's what I think about when I think of my dad. My, my dad's name is Rex, Rex Adams. He's in his mid-70s. Um, back in his, I guess, you know, his hair turned gray. Uh, it means he got wise in his late 60s. <laughs> but before that, uh, in his earlier days, he had like jet black hair, straight back. He looked like Elvis, sounds like Elvis. He's a plumbing engineer by profession, but he's got this like incredible radio voice. And so over the years, people have sent him mail addressed to the Reverend Rex Adams. They think that he's a pastor or preacher because he's got this great radio voice. Well, he's not yet, but I'm believing. Even that my dad is going to be used mightily by God in this latter stretch of his life. How many of y'all know, in Jesus, your latter will be greater than the days before. And so I'm believing that for my dad. Uh, my dad's an incredible man. Uh, he had a, a, you know, back in my childhood, there were some rocky patches. He suffered from depression. But I'll, my dad is incredible. In his mid-70s, he does the work, like physical labor, of someone who is working hard in their 20s or 30s. He's just a remarkable man. I love him with all my heart. I know, Dad, you're going to listen to this. So come on, give it up for my dad one more time. My dad is incredible. Thank you, Dad. I love you, Dad. So when I think of Father, I think of my dad. I think about him as protector and provider. He wasn't perfect, but he was and is an incredible father. Now, for others here, when you hear this word, Father, well, it's a bad word. It's a bad word because... But, but, but because maybe you, you had a bad earthly father and your father perhaps was angry all the time. Maybe that's your memory. When you think back to your father, you think, man, my dad was just mad. He was angry all the time. Or maybe your, your father was absent. Maybe he was absent. Maybe he was physically, how many of y'all know you can be physically present, but still absent because someone's not tracking with you. They're not present with you, looking at you and spending time with you, focused attention 
on you. But maybe you think of that. Maybe you think of an angry dad. Or maybe you think of, maybe you think of your father as an absent dad. Or maybe you think of your father as, the, uh, as an abusive dad. Someone who, who either verbally or physically abused you. If that happened to you, I am so, so sorry. But how many of y'all know that's the reality of the fallen world we live in? Are y'all with me today? So when you think of father, depends on you and depends on your background, depends on the nature of your father. All these different things are going to come to mind when you think of your father. But I want you to think about this with me. In many cases, not all, but in many cases, our experience with our earthly father influences our perspective of our heavenly father. And how many of y'all know this can be for good or this can be for this can be negative or this can be positive. It just depends on what type of father that you had or currently have. But let's be honest. Some of you feel like if, if my heavenly father is anything like my earthly father, then he can stay in heaven and leave me alone. Now listen carefully. The devil does everything that he can to distort and to pervert our view of God. How many of y'all know that's what he does for a living? You pull up the devil's Facebook page. You go to his resume. There, there it is. I distort and I pervert. I steal. I destroy. Like all of that's like what he does for a living. And how many of y'all know he's done a pretty good job at it? Distorting and perverting our view of who God really is. Because how many of y'all know? He knows. The devil knows that you will never gladly serve a God that you can never please. He knows that you'll never gladly serve a God who wants more from you than He wants for you. Are y'all with me today? He knows that if He can distort your view of God the Father, then you will not want to serve that God. But what I love is that, well, Jesus came from heaven to the earth to clear up all the confusion and to clean up all the distortion about who God the Father is. Jesus came from heaven to the earth and He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the... Which doesn't mean if you've seen My beard, you've seen the Father's beard. He's not talking about physical appearance. He's saying if you've heard Me speak and watched Me act, if you've seen My heart in action, it's just like seeing the Father in action. And so, listen to me carefully. Whether you had a good dad or a terrible dad, one of the greatest gifts that you can ever receive is a revelation of the goodness of the God that we serve. It's one of the greatest gifts you can receive. And a revelation about the goodness of God. How many of y'all know He's good? How many of y'all know He's great and He's worthy of our praise? Irrespective of what the devil says or how the world distorts Him, He is good, He is great, He is worthy of our praise in the good times, in the bad times. He never changes. He's always the same. Come on, y'all. He's a good God. But we've got to work through all the distortions and the perversions that, that we, we have in our culture and even from our own upbringing. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a parable. Everybody say parable. A parable that Jesus provides to give us an accurate picture of who God really is. Now as we get into this, you, you might be wondering, okay, I've heard of parables before, but what is a parable? One time I was discipling a guy and uh, he, he got born again in, in a Sunday morning service. And I said, hey, I want to meet with you and I want to spend time with you, discipling you. And I said, so meet me in my office the next day. And so he, sure enough, he came into my office and he sat down on my couch. I said, okay, we're going to start from the very beginning. I said, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. And you know what he said to me? I love this. Where's Genesis? I love People like that. Listen to me. If you don't know the Bible, it's okay. I'm going to teach you the Word of God. And listen to me. I would rather deal with someone who doesn't know than to deal with someone who thinks they know everything. Are y'all with me? Oh man, sometimes you got to get in there and jackhammer out bad foundations, all the religious nonsense. Sometimes it's, that's the case, but I would rather begin with someone who just doesn't know to begin to lay foundations. So if you don't know what a parable is, listen to me carefully. Write this down. A parable, very simply, this is super simplistic, but here's the gist of it. A parable is an earthly story that has a spiritual or heavenly meaning. And so Jesus told parables all the time to convey from the earth 
spiritual lessons, spiritual principles that, of course, had heavenly application. And so today we're going to begin with the first couple of verses in Luke chapter 15 that give us an idea of why Jesus told us and tells us this parable of the prodigal son. But in, listen, everybody say context. In order to understand the, the story, the parable of the prodigal son, you, you've got to begin in Luke chapter 15, the first couple of verses. Because there, watch this, there we are told that, well, there were some religious people who saw Jesus hanging out with some people that they thought he shouldn't be hanging out with. Some, well, some sinners, some scandalous people, some people who were lost. And the Bible tells us in Luke 15, 1 and 2, that these, these religious people didn't like that very much. So here's the rationale for the parable. Jesus says this, uh, uh, in, uh, well, actually, Luke says this in, in Luke 15, 1 and 2. He says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Don't you love that? The sinful people were drawing near. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. In other words... We're the separated ones. If Jesus is really who he says he is, if he's really from God, if he's really righteous, then Jesus should be hanging out with the righteous. But instead, here's Jesus hanging out with who? The shady. Y'all know some shady people? Raise your hand if you know some shady people. Raise your hand if that person's right beside you today. Don't do that. We all know shady people. Scandalous people. People that... Before you introduce, you have to kind of explain, and you know, this is so-and-so, you know, and there's a whole thing behind this, all right? But we all know shady people. And how many of y'all know God loves shady people? No one knows that. How many of y'all know God loves shady people? Listen to me, He, he loved you. You were shady, and He saved you and delivered you from your shadiness. Yeah. But these religious people are upset because Jesus is hanging out with these sinful people. It was the Pharisees, in particular the scribes too, but the Pharisees were the separated ones. They had laws, and then laws around those laws, and then laws around those laws to protect themselves and the community from everything that was sinful. Are you getting the picture? And so now here in this story, tax collectors and sinners are all coming near to Jesus, but the Pharisees, these religious leaders, are grumbling at this. Now listen to me carefully. You'll read this and you'll see, you'll say, some will say, see, Jesus, Jesus hung out with sinners, so we should as well. Yes, with a qualification. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus sat with sinners and he ate with sinners, but he did not sin with sinners. Do you understand? Jesus came as light for their darkness. Listen to me, if you have sinful friends who are in a sinful lifestyle, love them, spend time with them, but do not sit in the darkness with them. Be light for them. Share the good news and be the good news. Are y'all with me today? So he, he sat with them. He didn't sin with them. But I'm teaching y'all today on Father's Day. Watch this. Listen to this carefully. Jesus goes on to tell several parables that justify his actions. They're grumbling about Jesus. They're grumbling. And Jesus, how many of y'all know Jesus was very smart? Nobody knows that. How many of y'all know? I'll let me just tell you, he was very smart. And so he goes on, Luke pins it in a way, he goes on to tell parables that justify his actions. And I can't read all this, but let me just summarize. Jesus begins with this parable of, of the shepherd. He says, which of you, if you have a hundred sheep, one goes astray, which of you will not leave the, we sang about it, leave the, to go after the, and once you find, what do you do? You throw the sheep over your shoulder, you rejoice, and then you run back asking others to rejoice with you. And here he says, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 who have no need of repentance. Now listen, on one hand this makes sense, but for others they're like, you mean Jesus? You mean we're supposed to leave 99 for one? Like mathematically that doesn't make sense. Right, it doesn't make sense until you are the one that needs to be saved. 
How many of y'all are thankful that he pursued you? you got to get your theology right. You don't just jump up one day and go, I'm going to pursue God. You pursue him only because he pursued you first. Grace precedes the pursuit. Grace gives motivation for your pursuit of God. But aren't y'all thankful he pursued you? You were in your slop. You were in your sin. And Jesus left heaven. He came to the earth. He pursued you by His Spirit. He pursued you by the Word of God. He pursued you through the people of God. And He won you over with His amazing grace and love. So, Jesus tells a parable. He said, hey, which of you? Which of you? The logic is so clear for most. But then, how many of y'all know? People are are hard-headed. How many of y'all are hard-headed? Say, yep. So he tells another parable. <laughs> and it's this parable of this woman who had ten, ten silver coins and she loses one. <laughs> and she loses it. Not just the coin, but her mind. She flips out. She's like, I've lost the one. So she turns her house upside down, shines the light, does everything she can to find the coin. Eventually finds it and rejoices and then asks and assumes that others are going to rejoice with her because this coin has been found. And Jesus says that there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Are y'all getting the picture? Do you see what Jesus is saying here to these Pharisees and scribes? Why are you grumbling? You should be rejoicing. How many of y'all know the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost? And when, when a person is found and born again, there should be great rejoicing on earth because I promise you there's great rejoicing in heaven. So Jesus is saying, hey y'all, just so you know, <laughs> I am the one. I'm like the shepherd. I'm like God. I'm his representative. I'm like the one. I'm, I'm seeking and I'm saving the lost. That's why I came. Clear enough? But Jesus, I don't know, maybe he perceived that they weren't getting it. How many of y'all know? Oftentimes they didn't get it. So he goes on to tell one more parable. And here's what, here's what the Bible says, Luke 15, 11 through 16. Jesus said, now there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there, everybody say there, there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and began to be in need. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, what is this story all about? What is this parable all about? Well, as we read it so far, it's pretty simple, right? There's one father who had how many sons? Two, two sons. So far, so far, so good, right? This, this father had an inheritance to pass down, so what's the big deal? What's the problem? Well, the problem is this, that typically... The owner of the estate, in this case the father, had to pass on before the inheritance could be passed on. Follow me here. But the the younger son breaks rank, goes before his brother, goes to the father while he was still alive, and demanded his share of the inheritance. Now, some scholars say that this is like the son saying to the father, without fully saying it, I value my inheritance more than I value your life. I value what's coming to me more than I value you. Some go as far to say as it's the son without fully saying it, nonetheless still by implication saying, I wish you were dead because I want everything that's coming to me. But while you're still alive, I'm going to ask for it and I'm going to demand it. And I want to receive it. Well, whether all that's the case or not, we do know this. By asking, by asking for the inheritance, this was the son's way of wanting a clean break from the family. Which was like slapping his father in the face. Are y'all getting the picture? How many of y'all know there's nothing wrong with an inheritance? There's nothing wrong with an inheritance. 
There's nothing wrong with him wanting the inheritance. The inheritance is a good thing. But how many of y'all know a good thing at the wrong time can be a very bad thing? A good thing asked with the wrong motivations will turn into a very, very bad thing. And so the father could have rebuked him. But instead, we're told that he divided the property among his sons. And watch this. The younger son hit the road. Now, what I want you to see is that he didn't just move down the road. The son got his inheritance and he went to a far away place. And I want you to notice the type of place this was. It was a place far away where there was no accountability. He had 100% freedom to do whatever he wanted to do. No Pastor Scott. Man of God, where you been? No Pastor Jacob. No one in his life reminding him of what he should or shouldn't be doing. Are y'all with me? Total freedom. I got my money I got my share of the estate, and I got freedom, so I'm going to live it up. And the Bible says that he squandered his inheritance in reckless living. In today's terms, the son spent it all on poker, prostitutes, and Porsches. He lived it up thinking that that was going to produce happiness in his life. But the Bible says, you can read it in your own Bible, the Bible indicates that the money ran out. How many of y'all know eventually the money's going to run out? <laughs> Some of you men say, I've been telling my wife that for years. <laughs> the money's going to run out. Eventually, the resources are going to run out. You know, it's amazing how, how, how some kids who can't wait to get out of the house, how they come back so quickly when the money runs out. Yeah, yeah, some of those teenagers. Some of you teenagers think, I want my freedom. Yeah, you want your freedom until then you go get a J-O-B and you want to go back H-O-M-E. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go live it up. I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. Okay, okay, go, go for it, go for it, okay. But y'all lean, lean in on this with me. He's thinking, I'm going to go make it happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy my happiness. And I don't want anybody else telling me how to do that. Okay, well, you've heard it said that the only thing you can consistently do on your own is fail. Okay, spend it all. Do, do, do what you need to do. All right. He's thinking, i got to make it happen. Apart from my father. Apart from the family. Apart from covering. There are some of you here, you're tempted to do this. You're tempted to leave the covering and the blessing that God has placed in your life because you think there's something better on the other side. Listen to me carefully. You don't have to chase the blessing. You just stay close to God and the blessing will chase you. I'm going to go find myself. If you find yourself in a worldly sense, you've lost it. You've lost your life and, by extension, your mind. But if you lose your life, and you give up your life for the sake of the gospel, you find it. I'm going to run off, do what I want to do. Teenagers, spouses... Wives, husbands, I want more. Okay. If you're taking notes, write this down. My name is Pastor Scott, and on Father's Day, I'm your friend. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully, please. On, by, on the basis of the authority of the Word of God and all the collective experience of, from, I go around this room from Walter to Jimmy to all, all the collective wisdom of what we've seen over the years, please hear me when I say this. The only way to get God's blessing 
And to keep God's blessing is to stay under his covering. Listen to me carefully. Every dream that you pursue apart from God will turn into a nightmare. If you don't believe me, just ask the prodigal son. Because the prodigal son pursued his dream, living it up. Went after it. And listen to what the Bible says. The son became so poor that he's looking for a job, but the only one he could find was feeding pigs. And he got so hungry. He got so hungry that he longed to get down in the slop to eat a meal with those pigs. Now you're talking about a Jew being hired out, working for a Gentile. Pigs is a symbol of uncleanliness. You, un you understand it? Am I painting the picture okay for y'all? Jewish individual in the pig slop, eating that which is, of course, unclean from our perspective, but especially from a Jewish perspective. I mean, he's hit the bottom, as far as we can tell. Now, I was reading this, and I've read this parable, I don't know, I've lost count how many times over the years. But as I was reading just this last week, I asked myself the question, why didn't the father come to his rescue? Maybe because the father didn't know. Fair enough? Did he need to be rescued? Or, and I'm just speculating here, this is thus saith Scott, not thus saith God. But maybe, maybe in the story, the father knew that the only way to get his son back was to let him go. Because you see, sometimes the Lord lets us go our own way. Why? Because He loves us. Listen to me carefully. The only way that you can be saved from your sin is when you become sick and tired of your sin. Are y'all picking up what I just laid down? And so Watchman Nee, a Christian writer and author, tells a story about his stay in China with 20 other Christian missionaries. When they were in China, they stayed at a place where the bathing accommodations were inadequate. And so these men would go for a daily dip in the river. And while on one occasion they were in the river, Watchman Nee noticed that there was a man to his right who had a cramp in his leg and started to struggle in the water and actually started to drown. Well, when Nee saw this guy struggling, he looks over at one of, the other, one of the other members of the team who was an excellent swimmer, and he motions for him to go in to save this drowning man. Well, that, that, that man just stood there calm and collected as, as this other man is drowning in the water. Well, as that man's hand began to go under, as this man began to drown, then the swimmer jumped in, wrapped his arms around this drowning man, rescued him, and took him safely to shore. Now, knee, watch my knee, said to him after all was said and done, he said, why did you wait so long? I mean, this guy's drowning. And here's what this man, here's what this swimmer said. He said that if he had jumped in too soon to rescue this frantic man, that that man would have put a death grip on him and they both would have drowned. And here's what he said. Listen carefully to this. He said this, that the only way that you, the only way that a drowning man can be saved is when he becomes utterly exhausted. You have to become utterly exhausted. Exhausted. In other words, for our purposes, we cannot be saved from our sin until we are sick and tired of our sin. And sometimes, and I stress sometimes, the only way to get somebody back is to let them go and let sin run its course in their lives. Are you with me? You say that's so unloving. I thank God for the misery that God allowed me to step into. I've tasted sin, I've tasted the darkness, I've walked in it, but by contrast, I've tasted and I've seen that God is good. And my taste for Him is so much better because I've tasted the world and the world makes us sick. He said, it's so unloving. 
sometimes the only way people get back on course is by God allowing sin to run its course, to break that person to the point where they will cry out for God. And that doesn't mean you don't care. You got a lost son, you got a lost daughter, a lost husband, a lost wife. No, you care deeply. And sometimes letting people go, that hurts deeply. But it it reminds me of my mom. She knew I was lost in college. She knew I was out at the bars. She knew I was living in darkness. She knew. And I'll never forget. I called my mom. I'd moved out at that time. Call my mom. Mom, how you doing? Baby, we just want to, will you come home this weekend? We want to see you. No, mom. I didn't tell her all the details. I had a keg party to go to. I had things that I wanted to do that didn't involve them. I said, no, mom, I'm not going to come home. But here's what my mom said. She said, that's fine. That's fine, baby. But just know this. I'm going to leave the light on for you. One night, I drank and I drank and I drank. And I guess it was about two in the morning. I don't remember all the details of it. I began to sober up. And I thought, you know what? I am sick and tired of this. And I, and I drove in my cherry red Mustang very fast all the way to my parents' home in Lebanon, Tennessee. And as I went into the neighborhood, it was pitch black except one home that had the porch light on. And that light, that light for me meant that my mom had not given up on me. How many of y'all know we got to leave the door open and leave the light on to give people a picture of the grace of God that you can come back anytime. And listen to me. I continued to spiral downward. It got worse over time. But eventually, I got so sick and tired in and of my sin that I finally got saved by Jesus Christ when He wrapped His loving arms around me and since that time He has not let go. Sometimes the only way to get somebody back is to let them go. If you don't believe me, just ask God. Luke 15 17 to 19, but when he came to himself, everybody say, he came to himself. <laughs> he said this, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise. <laughs> I love those words. I will arise and, and go. You know what that means? That means he repented. I will arise. And he said, I will go. And he said this. How many of my father's hired servants have more? He said, I'm here with, perishing in hunger. I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Do you see what happened? He snapped out of it. Have you ever tried to minister to someone, share the love of God, share the word of God, and they're just staring at you? It's like white noise. It's just glazed look. It's like no matter moms, what you say, dads, what you say, they're just staring at you like they just don't get it. Have y'all, have y'all witnessed that? Friends, coworkers, you share truth and it's just, ah. Listen to me. Never, ever, ever stop praying for someone like that. Because that's who you were before God's grace exploded in your heart and mind. Remember this. We're not better than. We're just different from because of the grace of Almighty God in our lives. Some of you think that person's too far gone. No, no, no. No one is too far gone. The grace in Christ is greater than the sin in them. Don't stop praying. Keep praying, because one day <laughs> they're going to come to their senses. Come on, y'all. In August of 2000, I snapped out of it, and I said, I will arise, and I'm going home. And he said, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm going to my father's house. He may not receive me. In his mind, I, I, treat me as a servant. You don't have to call me a son. I just want to go home. Now, the question is, as we begin to conclude here, what do you think the father's response is going to be? Well, I could just hear people in the community 
Do you know what he's done to you? Do you know how he has disgraced you? I could just hear the chatter in town about this runaway son. Well, if you really want to know how the Father responds to sinners who repent, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Smile at me. Y'all aren't smiling. This is really good news. Here it is, Luke 15, 20. And he arose, the son arose, and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father got mad and ran the other direction. Is that what it says? His father got out his rod and his shotgun and chased him off the property. Is that what it says? In, in the Greek, is that Second Opinions chapter 5 gives us the commentary. The book of hesitations. That doesn't say that. What does it say? While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and what? Felt compassion. <laughs> and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Smothered and covered in kisses. I don't know. The son may have been covered at this point in slop, but the father didn't care because the one who was lost is now found. The one who was blind could now see, and all the father cared about was that his son was coming home. I could just hear people in the community watching all this going down. All this kissing and hugging. I could just hear them. Do you understand what this, this child, this son has done to you? And you're receiving him back like that? Covering him in kisses? Listen carefully. Even though the son had disgraced his father, listen to me carefully. The son never stopped being a son. Did y'all get that'll mess with your theology? He never stopped being a son. Covered in slop, yes. Down to the bottom of the barrel, yes. But even there, he was still a son. Listen to me carefully. If you are truly born again, you are a child of the living God. And let me balance out Ananias and Sapphira, okay? I've talked about judgment a lot. I'm going to teach the whole counsel of God. If you're a true, born-again son or daughter of the living God, at times you will lose your mind. You will do stupid stuff. Can I get a witness that you've done some stupid stuff? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. You may lose your mind from time to time. But if you're really His, you will never lose your status as a son or a daughter of the living God. And he will never stop pursuing you as his very own. Yes, you must repent. Yes, you must turn. But come on, y'all, we are the children of the living God. How do I know that I'm a son? The way I respond to hardship confirms my sonship. That I don't want the darkness. I've stepped in it, but I'm not going to walk in it. I've tasted and I've seen that God is good. My prayer for everyone here is that if you run into sin, that that sin will make you sick. I pray you vomit in your sin. Spiritually, even physically. And I don't pray that for your harm. I pray that I mean that because there's nothing there for you but death and destruction. I pray that in those seasons, if you were destroyed, that you had the reminder of the goodness of God. The true blessing is only found under His covering. Are you all with me? I'm almost done. He's the Son. And the Father not only showed His Son mercy, He also showed Him amazing grace. God is merciful. What does that mean? I could give you a lexical definition. Let me give you Pastor Scott 101. 
It means that he is compassionate and does not give us what we deserve. What's your father like? Well, let's start here. There's more to say. Let's start here. I'm preaching this parable, not somewhere else. I'm preaching this parable. He's compassionate. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. How many are thankful for that? It's okay. He does not give us what we deserve, which is death and eternal damnation. He has pity on us. He's merciful. He does not give us what we deserve, but he's also gracious. You know what that means? He's generous. What's your father like? I don't know what your earthly father's like, but my heavenly father is very, very generous. And he gives us what we do not deserve. All of the blessings of God that your mind cannot even fully comprehend. Because the Bible says this, Luke 15, 22-24, But the Father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. <laughs> oh, he already showed him mercy, but now we're getting to, to some grace, huh? Bring the best robe, not, not a robe, but the what? the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but come on y'all, he's now found. I love what Max Lucado said. He said, what's the difference between mercy and grace? Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. Come on, y'all. God not only gives you a second chance and chance and chance. I mean, go on all the chances. He not only gives you the promise of a new start, but he also gives you his grace, his blessing, his provision, his presence, and much more. Come on, y'all. We're filthy rich as we stay under the covering of God. Mercy and grace. And the Bible says this, that he clothed his son with the best robe, which signifies royalty. Come on, lost sinners who've come home. We're no longer functionally sinners. We are righteous in God's sight because we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. But how many of y'all know we're not only clothed in righteousness, He actually makes us righteous. How many of y'all know by the Spirit of God, you can obey the living God? So he puts a robe around him, the best robe, which signifies royalty, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, which symbolizes dignity and authority. The son who is far away has come back home. Listen to me, dads. Those of you who feel condemned, those of you who feel rightly convicted on Father's Day, those of you who are being crushed under the weight of your own failures, God's mercies never, ever come to an end. They are new every single morning. Great is His faithfulness. He's merciful. And he's gracious and he's so kind. And isn't this a picture of what God does for us? He clothes us, he cleanses us, he restores us. We are the children of the living God. Now, guess what? Let's act like it. You are loved by the Father. Now let's live like we're loved by the Father. Walking in dignity. Walking in authority. Walking with the smile of God's pleasure in our lives. But there was one other son in this story. Y'all remember him? Oh, and he's not too happy because Luke 15, 25, beginning there, says, Now all, and it says, Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. What do you think they were doing? Boom, boom, boom. 
How many of y'all know they were partying? Why? The younger son's home. It says they heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Verse 27. And he said, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. And I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. You hear the complaint? Verse 30, but when the son, when this son of yours, notice the language, when this son of yours, <laughs> he came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, but now he's found. You see, this older brother was angry because the father showed mercy to the younger son. And you see, the older brother, I believe represents the Pharisees of the day. Some of the Jews of the day. We've always obeyed you. We've always done what's right. We have dotted the I's and crossed the T's and you never did anything for us. But here's this one. He squandered it all and you throw a party for him? <laughs> Basically, yep. <laughs> In other words, listen, it's not about the righteous. He didn't come for the righteous. How many of y'all know Jesus came for the sick and the sinful and the shady, such as were some of you until God's amazing grace found you and He rescued you and delivered you. And there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one who repents and over the rest who don't need to repent. Do you see the point of the story? Religious people grumble, but people saved by God's grace rejoice over His grace. We rejoice over the Father's love for the worst of sinners. And today, there's going to be some rejoicing in heaven. And there's going to be some rejoicing here in this place. Because I believe today, some lost sons and daughters are going to come home. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. Father, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for your amazing love. Thank you for your amazing love. Lord, right now for every person in this place who though they're here, maybe they've been far away from you. They've drawn near to a building, but far away in their hearts they are from you. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, for anyone here that's lost, that's been away from God. Maybe you never come to God to begin with, or maybe you have, but you've strayed over time right now by the prayer that I'm about to give you, by the words that I've preached. God is summoning you to come home. You say, oh, Pastor Scott, but I've been coming to church. I've been, you know, I'm still in my marriage. I'm, I haven't really, listen, maybe you're still in the building. Maybe you're still in the marriage. Maybe you're still in the relationship, but your heart is far away from God. Listen, if that's you, don't be condemned. Be convicted. And if that's you, today you can run home to the Father. His arms are open wide. You say, Pastor Scott, that's me. I want to come home to God. I want to come home in my heart. I want to draw near to God. I want to be under His covering because I know that's the place where I receive the blessing. If that's you, if it's one, it doesn't matter because there will be a party in heaven over the one. But if that's you, say, Pastor Scott, that's, that, that, that's me. That's me. That's me. On the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up and say, that's me. I want to come home on Father's Day. I want to run home to the Father on Father's Day. One, two, three. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Say, I'm coming home right now. That's me. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home right now. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Say, I'm coming home. I'm coming home to the Father because He's good. I'm coming home to the Father because He's gracious. I'm coming home to the Father because I'm tired of the slop of my life. If that's you, slip up your hand right now. Slip up your hand. Thank you. 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 But listen, with your hands up, thank you for that. But listen, thank you for responding to God. 
You've responded to God. That's the most amazing thing. That's a start. But it's not just you acknowledging that that's the the place you're in in your heart. It, It also means that you now, by the power of God, you're making a decision to repent and leave the slop. So let me see your hand again. You say, I want to turn to that. I want to turn to the Father and run to the Father. Let me see your hand one more time. Lift your hand. That was you. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. Thank you that you came to seek and save the lost. And today many have been found. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You can put your hands down. Lord, we just receive your love today. The great love that the Father has lavished upon us. We receive that love. Come on, would you lift your hands with me, everyone here? Would you lift your hands with me? I want you just to receive the Father's love. He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. you raised your hand a few minutes ago to come home to God right now I'm going to give you a a prayer a confession the prodigal had one he said I will arise and I will go well if you had your hand lifted earlier we're going to say this prayer with you and this is going to be your confession this is going to be your confession and we're going to say this with you And if you mean this prayer, you mean it with all your heart. As you say this confession, you're going to go from death to spiritual life. So come on, Midtown, let's say this prayer with everyone who had their hand lifted. Come on, let's say it boldly. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin. You took my shame. And you died for me. Say this with me. And I believe you rose from death to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, in a relationship with your Father. Say this with me. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from sin and I commit to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare, based on my profession of faith, based on Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead, that God is my Father. Come on, let's say it. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And thank God, heaven is now my home. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.